0: Say that sounds tasty. This is Sounds Tasty. I'm your host, Michael Dane, and on every episode, I'll talk with someone who knows their way around a plate of food, and we'll serve up good conversation with a side order of music. Whether you're a deadhead or a parrothead, a juggalo or a fanalo, and whether you love cilantro or think it tastes like soap, we're going to hash it out on Sounds Tasty. Say that sounds tasty. Hey gang, welcome back to Sounds Tasty at the intersection of food and music. You know, because I have a lot of free time and I get bored, I'm in a lot of weird groups on Facebook. For example, I'm in a group called Oddly Specific Playlists, where people look for songs that fit a specific mood, like, And These Are All Real... Songs that encapsulate the feeling of having unrealistically high expectations of yourself and not getting what you want or getting what you want and still not being happy. Or alt-rock vibes that describe the feeling of blaming everyone around you when in reality you're the problem. Or songs to commit murder to like you're a lonely housewife. 38 people contributed to that playlist. Now that I think of it, maybe the people in that group don't need songs so much as they need to just find a good therapist. Maybe Spotify should have a cry for help feature, but who am I to judge? Another Facebook group I'm really into is called Cookbook Love, and the people who started that group are my guests for this episode. Their page is all about vintage cookbooks, and if you want to get your retro on, these are your people. There are over 50,000 people following Cookbook Love's page, and it's your go-to source online if you want to take a trip to the past. They've got Joan Crawford's Meatloaf and Tuna Berry Sandwiches. Yum. It's the only place I know where I find myself asking, did people really eat this? I have a small collection of old cookbooks, mostly for amusement. I don't usually cook out of them because, while well, there aren't too many times where I think to myself, you know what would be really good for dinner tonight? braised oxtail in a hearty tomato aspic. Now where's my gelatin? Anyway, before we get to my chat with Suzanne and Declan, here's an ad from 1955 for something that I'm sure is in everybody's pantry. You know to ask for it by name, Fluffo. Hi, I'm Mike Wallace with a sensational shortening discovery for better baking and frying. It's Procter & Gamble's Golden Fluffo. Let's hear what Mrs. Thelma-Styra, Indiana State Fair baking champion, had to say about Fluffo. I love
1: Fluffo. It makes such a golden brown pie. Oh,
0: man, that's some apple pie. Get Golden Fluffo. Welcome to Sounds Tasty. It's Suzanne and Declan DeWitt-Hall. How are you guys? We are great. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being on my little show. Thrilled to be here. Well, we have something in common. We both collect old-timey cookbooks. And that's how I found out about you folks, because of the Cookbook Love Facebook page. Tell me how that got started.
2: Well, I used to relax by reading cookbooks over a decade ago. And then I s- kind of stumbled on vintage cookbooks. I realized how much fun it was to look at them and, and kind of get a glimpse into the culture And I found that the older ones were somehow curiously relaxing and entertaining. And so I thought other people might also enjoy the kind of the experience of these old cookbooks. And so I started a blog called Cookbook Love and capturing some of the funny stuff and and kind of, you know, I might see something in a cookbook and then find a bunch of images that were ads related to products used that don't exist anymore, that kind of thing. And it from there.
0: Well, your Facebook page is a delight because in addition to the content, there are just some phenomenal images, old-time kitchens and and strange jellied things. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get into those a little later. Does anyone actually use cookbooks anymore to, I don't know, cook from? Or do we all just consult with the great oracle of Google?
2: That's a good question. I know that cookbooks are having a a boom in publishing there a lot of, because I'm a writer, you know, I look at agent profiles, literary agent profiles quite frequently. And I see that a lot of them cover cookbooks and I hear about new cookbooks by celebrities and a variety of other people all the time. So I'm not
0: sure if people use them to cook. Pinterest seems to be where a lot of people go. I think you're right. Have you both seen the movie Julie and Julia? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> for, my the, the, for the listeners out there who aren't familiar, basically a New York Times blogger, as I recall, made it her goal to do every recipe from Julia Child's book. And I have always wanted to do that with one of these vintage cookbooks. Have you ever cooked any of the recipes from your old, old cookbooks?
2: Yes. A few years ago, we were guest curators at a a regional museum in Massachusetts. And uh, the exhibit, it was for a month and it was called Culture in the Kitchen. And so we had lots of objects and cookbooks and recipe cards and aprons and miscellaneous other items. And we also did some special events. We did a a kickoff party and at that because the exhibit was organized by era starting I think was it the twenties did we mm-hmm. start the twenties? Yeah it was twenties through the seventies we did a dish from each era and so for that I did use I did actually cook from the vintage
0: cookbooks mostly what, I, what's the oldest recipe you cooked?
2: Um let's see it would have been from the twenties. One of them was from the depression and that was um, a baked bean sandwich basically Oh, that um, sounds sad. <laughs> a and the, they were actually surprisingly tasty. And there was another one that was dates stuffed with walnuts and rolled in sugar. It's very simple, but it's kind of delicious. And it was something that my grandmother sent me, sent our oh. family every Christmas. <laughs>
0: That sounds wonderful. Now, maybe we can get Declan to weigh in on this one. Do you have a favorite amongst your old-time cookbooks? And because this podcast is about the intersection of food and music and and I know, Suzanne, you mentioned the cultural component of these old cookbooks. Uh, if you were to cook a recipe from your favorite old-time cookbook, what would the soundtrack you'd put on be? Would you Ooh. play music while you're
1: cooking? Soundtrack? That's a tough one. because well, what favorite cookbook My first? favorite cookbook would be probably Fanny Farmer. But when you said music, I started to think about Liberace's cookbooks, which are quite oh. interesting.
0: Liberace had cookbooks?
1: Hey, yes, he definitely did. And they're pretty, pretty out there. You should check them out. They're fun. Are they
0: as fabulous as he was a performer?
1: Yes. <laughs> just from the cover, it pulls you in. It's just, it's interesting. Are your music
0: tastes as eclectic as your cookbook tastes?
2: I think so. Declan has a motivational playlist that he listens to quite often. And at night when we're reading, when I'm reading vintage cookbooks and sipping a glass of wine,
1: we often are listening to classical
2: Um, Yeah, we usually
1: have Bach on at night, but in the daytime, I'm probably playing Nora Jones or Boston, so it's quite eclectic. It is, yeah, it's a bit of a mix.
0: That's very eclectic. Well, now, the way I got into... Uh, vintage cookbooks. Uh, One of the few things that I have of my mom's, rest her soul, is a Danish recipes cookbook. It turns out it's not that old. It's from 1969. And just a side note for my music fans, the number one song in 1969 was Sugar Sugar by the Archies which I don't know you guys remember, but it came on the back of cereal boxes.
2: No, I didn't. That, re- Do you mean that, the record? The, the, the little record. record?
0: Actually, you cut it out of the back of the cereal box.
2: I remember those. <laughs> I, I was born in, six. Suzanne, I was born in 63, and Declan was born in 62, and I remember those cereal box records. I'd forgotten about them, though.
0: My mother was not a a gourmet cook. I don't think anything she made you would call elevated, but it was really good. And there was a thing that I thought at the time when I was a young boy was really out there called fricadeller. But it turns out it's really just ground beef and Campbell's cream and mushroom soup and some onions chopped up in there. But it was pretty amazing at the time. So I got that book and then that led me to collect a handful of other books. I think you even explored a little bit of the Piggly Wiggly cookbook I got. I have to tell people about this. So I got this cookbook and it's, it's torn and tattered. It's uh, certainly not in collector's conditions from 1927. And uh, the number one song in 1927, by the way, Hoagy Carmichael, Stardust. And this was apparently given out to shoppers at Piggly Wiggly markets. So it's filled with ads of things that, they sold it, Piggly Wiggly like fluffo shortening. So you should look that up on YouTube. There are ads for fluffo. It's an, um, well, they described it in the really non-euphonious sounding term, aerated lard. Oh, Um, lovely. So it was basically a kind of Crisco, but it was a mid-century modern thing. And most people only think of mid-century modern for furniture. And I think you could actually make furniture out of fluffo. I'm not sure on that. What are some other older books you've got?
2: Well, the oldest one I think that we have is called The White House Cookbook. And it is from, I'm just opening the cover here, from 1910. This one, as you were saying, it's not in collector's quality. We're not really interested in from the investment purpose. We're more interested just from the fascination aspect. Right. It's pretty thick. It's a, it's a hardcover and it's kind of a classic in the, it's called a comprehensive cyclopedia of information for the home. Oh my. Things like how to take care of sick people and um, household cleaning recipes and food, you know, the, the usual kinds of.
0: That's one of the things I love about vintage cookbooks in general is they had a lot of cooking adjacent things. Yes. Uh, like how to remove certain stains, like fluffo stains. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I have a cookbook from 1929, and, and on the cover it says, New Delineator Cookbook. I have no idea why they picked such an off-putting name, but the New Delineator Cookbook from 1929, uh, number one song, Making Whoopie by Eddie Cantor. And in fact, there is no recipe in the new delineator cookbook to teach you how to make whoopie. So yeah. <laughs> uh, that was kind of disappointing. But uh, they do tell you how to make some very odd things. So here's a quick quiz for you. One of, their, one of their, and either of you can buzz in, one of their sections is on sandwich fillings, and they list peanut butter and pickle sandwich filling. Do you know, Here's it's a two-part quiz, what the proportions of peanut butter to pickle are, and mm. what's the secret third ingredient that's neither peanut butter nor pickle.
2: Wow. I'm going to say half and half, which is probably wrong.
0: That's correct.
2: I'm going to say carrots.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. You weren't even close. Oh, do you have a
1: guess, Declan? I would guess I would say carrots. I would say bananas. Interesting.
0: It's actually just water. Oh, trick Ah, (laughs) question. I made no claims that these were fair questions. Uh, (laughs) I uh, also have something called the Country Kitchen Cookbook, which there have been many iterations of, and I could not find in my exhaustive five minutes online when this book came out. But looking at the way the book looks, it's probably mid-30s. And they have a thing called Queen's pudding. Mm. Any, any guess what the recipe for Queen's pudding is?
2: I am guessing that it's either a steamed pudding or a very fancy cake. In which case, it would be a probably be a British cookbook if it's a you know a pudding used as the term a term for dessert rather than literally a pudding.
0: Well, you're really onto something with the cake thing. Okay. Um, now, Queen's pudding only has. Five ingredients, and this is the only recipe I've ever seen where the first ingredient is, and I'm not making this up, stale cake. You use two cups of stale cake, three eggs, a quarter cup of sugar, strawberry preserves, and it doesn't tell you how much, so I guess as much as you bloody well want, Okay. and a pint of milk.
2: Oh, I thought there was going to be some lard in there.
0: Nope. You scald the milk, then you separate an egg and preserve the white. Then you beat the yolk with the other whole eggs, add the scalded milk and sugar, break the stale cake up another phrase I've never seen in a cookbook (laughs) uh, and put in a buttered baking dish. Oh, there's your lard right there. Pour over it the custard mixture and bake in a moderate oven until firm.
2: How interesting that that's called the Queen's because right. it's like a, a bread pudding but
0: made with cake. I think the Queen would like refuse that out of hand just because it's got stale cake in it.
2: <laughs> but, <laughs> Let them eat stale cake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Any other uh, highlights from your collection?
2: Oh gosh, we have so many. I um, This week we're doing for the cookbook of the week is Better Homes and Gardens Fondue and Tabletop Cooking cookbook from the, uh, what did I say? 70s? 72. 72. And it's full of um, an amazing array of different kinds of fondue pots. I had no idea that there were this this much variety.
0: I did not either.
2: Along with all kinds of groovy pictures of serving ware and candles and every imaginable cheese fondue and other kind of fondue combinations because um, they were really hot
0: in the... What in other the- things can you fondue? Cheese, I know, and chocolate.
2: What right. else? So there's a whole other um, kind of a branch of fondue land, which is boiling oil, and you are essentially frying... Uh, meats and vegetables typically but also you could do sweets um, that's something that we found a little scary we don't really love the idea of a pot of bubbling oil on the table
1: <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> or
2: parties um,
0: yeah, don't try this at home
2: exactly but it was very popular um, I've I've only ever done the cheese cheese varieties I've I i have not even done a chocolate one I don't think
0: well, and it's funny because fondues in, in pop culture call to mind romantic evenings, and I'm not sure you want a pot of scalding oil on the table between you and your
2: beloved <laughs> Exactly. Uh,
0: but you maybe you know do. A doing- I, I'm not going to kink shame here. Uh, <laughs> one of you mentioned Fanny Farmer cookbooks, and I have one of those from 1965. And in, in 1965, the most popular song was... That's correct. Wooly Bully, Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. At any rate, there's a recipe there in there for tomato jelly. Mm. That was a big thing in a lot of old-timey cookbooks, jelly mm-hmm. things, wasn't it? Do you remember those in your grandmother? Yeah, your I think
1: cookbook? I saw a lot of those. Mine. Uh, the one that I liked was probably around that era, but it was passed down from my grandmother to my mother. And it's like the only thing my mother said she's going to give me when she passes away mm-hmm. is any farmer cookbook. And I'm excited about it, but... Oh. You don't want to rush it. I don't want to rush it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) You mentioned the the 70s, and that brings me to one of my prized possessions. It's a very thin volume. Pillsbury Bake Off, the silver edition, 1974 edition. And at the bottom of the front cover, it has an endorsement from GE's microwave division. Mm. And so microwaves were all the rage. and. There's actually a recipe for the winner of the GE Microwave Cooking Award, which was Fiesta Chicken Kiev, some sort of bizarre Spanish-Russian fusion. Mm, Interesting. Uh, (laughs) Do you find that uh, there are some ingredients that... You just can't find at your local Safeway anymore, beyond fluffo. There, there's just things that are harder to find. Like lard is not that easy to find.
2: Right, and mace. Mace used to be a common spice, and I don't know that I've ever seen it on the spice shelves that I've shopped. I, mean, uh, I don't
0: think I've seen it either. Now, the most recent one I've got, although it's still, I guess, I can't believe the 1980s are considered vintage, but... Here <laughs> we are. Here we are from 1989 the, and I you guys might have might have featured this one the Better Homes and Gardens new cookbook 1989 and the number one song from 1989 was Chicago look away mm. and like so many things from the late 80s that was a very forgettable song
2: <laughs> <laughs> no wonder I don't remember it I was thinking like I don't
0: Right. <laughs> Tell me about the cookbook slash coloring book that that you folks have created.
2: Well, it was during pandemic, and it was seeming like we everyone needed a little bit of a a mood lift. Um, Definitely. So we just decided to create these, uh, you know, come up with images that were fun and a couple of them. Declan, I we worked together on it. Declan came up with a lot of the funny phrases and found quotes and. Uh, we put them together with these images, and we just thought it would be fun for the pe- people, weirdos like us, who like these old cookbooks and a little bit of kitchen, kitchen snark and humor and uh, sort of uh, reassurance that life can still go on despite <laughs> all, the, all the darkness and sadness that was happening.
0: I think snark is a very important ingredient, and it's overlooked. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Agreed. I'm, I tend to apply quite a bit of snark to my cooking in general. <laughs> so it's called the Kitchen Snark Coloring Book.
1: It's called the, uh, it is called the yes, Snark. Yes, it is. Yes.
0: You guys should know this better than I do. No,
1: you know, one of the best things about doing the cookbook love page is that people who like it that follow it, which is almost 60,000, you know, we hit over 2 million in a week, usually. Wow. They come to that page because it's the end of their day and they've had the world to deal with. And it's fun. And that's why we do it because it's fun. We just post on there. That's kind of our, our release at the end of the day, some wine and to talk to the people at cookbook love, but we get messages all the time that says, thank you for doing this because I just need some escapism. Your
0: page is very cool. And (laughs) if my listeners want the book, uh, how do they get it? Uh,
2: They can look for the link on the cookbook love facebook page or they can find it on amazon
0: Mm -hmm. and it's called kitchen snark coloring book well uh suzanne and declan dewitt hall it has been a pleasure talking to you i think we've covered a lot of ground is there anything else you want to leave my listeners with
2: i don't think so maybe give it a try pick up an old cookbook and just browse through it and see what kind of uh
1: what kind of feeling it gives you and see if you like it. We have thousands of them. We probably have maybe two or 300 in our kitchen. And just to look at them makes me happy.
0: (laughs) I I need to come by and visit you folks. Where are you? Definitely. (laughs) Play some music for us. Absolutely. Well, this was great. Thank you so much and have a great day and stay safe.
2: You too. Thanks again for having us.
0: I want to thank my guests, Suzanne and Declan DeWitt Hall. Make sure you follow the Cookbook Love Facebook page, where you can get a copy of their book called The Kitchen Snark Coloring Book. What did we learn today? Well, obviously we learned about our sponsor, Fluffo. You can find it wherever aerated lard is sold. We learned how to make peanut butter and pickle sandwiches, and we learned how to use stale cake. I am already hungry. Until next time on Sounds Tasty, keep your ears and your taste buds open. Say that sounds tasty.